0: In this episode, Ryan and I discuss examples of people who have reevaluated their preconceived ideas of capital. We touched on inflation and charitable giving opportunities with the infinite banking concept. We had fun, hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Bank of Life Podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery.
1: And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs.
0: Excited to be here, thank you for being here. Actually, we come prepared today. 20 miles south, Fort Worth, Texas, the world headquarters of Banking with Life. It's
1: been a minute. How long has it been since we've done this? Uh, I don't know.
0: I had a- A month. Two months. Is that- like you asking a question? You already know the answer to well, it? I'm guessing. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's I
1: good mean, to be you know, back. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've- uh, My family and I have enjoyed a vacation through- uh, We drove from here, Fort Worth, to New Orleans. Stayed a couple of days and on to Florida- you know, there's a stream to and from of cars from Texas. Unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and man. I love New Orleans. I love history. I love architecture. I love the French influence. But my gosh, that town needs a thorough bleaching, hmm. at least around Bourbon Street. Nothing yeah. beloved. I'm not a hater. All right. Clean yourself <laughs> up. <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> Yeah. So that's been a week, and then a week before that, I don't know where you were. You're probably off. No, you you had family from out of town.
1: And. So my birthday, we're here in early August, 2021. I had my birthday's late July, so I had family in from California. Went out on the boat, had some dinners, hanging out at the pool. It's been so hot in Texas, so it's in the water or inside most of the time. Um, yeah, that was nice. But so that I'll, accounts
0: for two weeks. Where's the other two weeks come from? Do you know? Or was just scheduling?
1: Otherwise, trying to keep up. I mean, <clears throat> it's been... You know, the business comes in <clears throat> waves, I feel like. Yeah. That's how you originally explained it to me. And it's absolutely the way it's worked out. And uh, there's typically a summer wave for whatever reason. I don't know why. But you get a whole bunch of new people in. And then they go out in force, paying premium, building cash value. And then kind of have a little bit of a lull. And then here comes another wave. So... Late last month, wave was ending. Here comes another one starting up. <laughs>
0: well, that's because, you know, we don't um, spend a ton of money promoting, you know. Um, and I say that to say this, you know, we, the AB Ninja, you know, he he looks at questions and, and uh, algorithms, you know, not that we're scientific, but, you know, he pays attention to some of that at some level. And uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you're looking at different videos there's like five or six comments or 25 comments but 800,000 views Mm. you know it's like hmm how'd that happen yeah which is fine you know there's nothing wrong with marketing
1: we had the opportunity you and I recently and had the opportunity to talk to a the executive staff and leadership of a certain life insurance company and They're aware of the podcast. I I can't help but smile at some of the questions they're asking, you know. So is is that really good for a lot of your lead generation? And I'm like, dude, I don't. It's like, where do your clients come from? Well, all over the country. Exactly. They watch the podcast. Uh, I don't. What are the views like? I don't know. Like, click on a video. Find out. I'm just (laughs) not interested in the whole marketing scheme. It's, you know, you, you play the algorithms all you want. And then the algorithms are going to change. Well, you know, so if, then you, you gotta, if you
0: think about that, right? If you don't uh, feed the machine, right? Monetary, you know, monetize everything, you know, buy all the exposure and the subscribers and the commenters and all that, you know. Don't I, I'm just thinking out loud, right? I mean, I've been around for a little while. It's like if you don't do that, there you get a certain amount of, uh, I guess, promotion just from. Uh, you know consistency or view time or whatever, but if you're spending a lot of resources, i.e., money, promoting, and you stop, I mean, what does that do to the to your algorithm, right? And then if you don't do that and you start doing that, I mean, it's almost like a uh, an encouragement from social media platforms to to get you to buy into that narrative. Yeah, right. and then
1: become dependent upon it. Absolutely, just like life insurance agents with their third-party software. I got a text yesterday. <laughs> I get these spammy B two B texts. I've seen that, yeah. You know, the earn five k to thirty k using our proprietary software. Yep, and it, yep. I respond back. It's like, you know, are, are you trying to like sell me IBC software? Like maybe you should go watch. Yes, we are. Maybe you should go watch the podcast. And oh by the way, getting agents dependent upon a third-party software program might not be the best way to improve communication in this industry. I don't know.
0: Well I don't know. Who's who's it good for? Yeah. Not the agent. (laughs) You know, I mean who wants to be dependent? Oh wait. And then if the agent's dependent upon the software and they're going to go out and use it and they're going to make their prospective client their clients. Uh, dependent upon that software. Mm-hmm. It's like, who? I mean, this, this the independent banking concept is all about independence. Freedom.
1: Yeah. Autonomy.
0: Not, yeah. No, I mean, it's like, no, no, don't be dependent upon. No, no. That's a hard no. Yeah, the
1: individual shouldn't be dependent upon third-party lenders and the conventional credit system, agents. They shouldn't,
0: shouldn't be. be. They shouldn't be dependent upon their agents either.
1: Right. Or their and advisor. Then, and then the agent shouldn't be dependent upon these third-party platforms or to the facilitate companies. a sale.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad we agree on that. Well, we've had lots and lots of conversations on that. I mean, I talked about that several years ago at Nelson Nash Institute. and You know, you talked to a room full of agents, and I think the message resonates. I don't know. I hope it does. But.
1: You know, half my time-ish, you know, some more, some less with clients is, talking through some of the things that I know they've seen online that they're getting from the other financial entertainers, Mm -hmm. you know, the gross dividend crediting scale stuff. Well, what's such and such such company's dividend rate? And we got to talk through that, which is fine. You know, these are legitimate questions. People are hearing about it out there. I certainly don't mind going over it. I get to go cash on cash in year two or three. Right, right. Well, then, and then IBC is always presented as one thing, whether it's 1090 or whether it's a certain premium level or you're whether all the a same. certain structure, you're all the same. Right. So then we got to break that down, right? We got to talk about, no, if, you know, depending upon your appetite for liquidity and how long range you're looking and whether you have other capital and you're in, the intensity or the urgency of your need for capital now, all of that is your age, your underwriting status, all of that's going to determine and influence the the ultimate structure. And of course the premium level. So we got to go and it's the same thing. You know, if it's not, it's not necessarily an improvement if we discard our preconceived ideas about life insurance that we get from the conventional industry and just substitute them with other preconceived ideas that are cloaked in the vocabulary yeah, of industry things.
0: If I if I you know throw off that yoke of uh, my my conditioned I've been conditioned as a consumer how to look at finance, how to look at life insurance. I need to throw that yoke off. Yes. Right. And then go from there then, right. so, well, yeah. don't go mess around and pick up a new one. That's Exactly. Yeah. That's my whole point. That's a whole nother yoke, mm-hmm. right? Um, even for the uh, financial professional. I, and, you know, I don't always, but I listen to uh, Q&A number 25 for a particular reason today and last night. And uh, I'm, like, listening to that, and, and I kind of discussed some of this, and I thought I did a fairly good job, and I was almost going to take that down. I know. So anyway, shameless
1: plug. Q and A number twenty five. I don't know why you get these ideas and you had to take stuff down. I listened to it. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, good job. Like just, you know little audio things that can be addressed, but substance wise, content wise, great. It's like, oh, I thought I, thought I was thinking I was going to take it down. I'm like, no. <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> it's good.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit of a of a of an uh, amendment an addendum and a, a correction or a clarification.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so slight clarification, like very slight, but anyway, yeah, yeah,
0: the point, the points that I may absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, absolutely.
1: You said a second ago, a uh, been conditioned, people have, are conditioned into how to think about, about finance. You recently had an interview with a, a client by the name of Michael from California. Hey, what episode was that? He flew in from California. Great guy. Super book. recent. I don't know the number offhand, but yeah, it was like published Monday. in early August, 2021, late July, 2021. I mean, it yeah. came out recently, okay. but um, he referenced something and this happened, you know, you get the rich dad, poor dad people yep. and that whole environment. So Kiyosaki, Garrett Gunderson, the, the accountant person and all that. <clears throat> and then one th- we're talking about this idea of not substituting old preconceived ideas for new ones that may or may not be reflective of reality. Th- there's this idea and let me say this and you tell me what you think uh, that an asset is something that puts money in your pocket and a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. I get where that's coming from, right? But look, well, then, hold on, then, hold on. Hold on. So my, you know, I always bring it back to capital because I, I can think of an asset Something of positive value, so you could sell the item, receive a, a sale price, or you could leverage it. There's equity there, right? There's a positive monetary value in this thing that you own, right? and this thing uh, feasibly may not be throwing off a cash flow, right? In other words, the as- this asset, yeah, the this asset- thing may not be. Putting money in your pocket, right, because in fact, that takes into the account yeah. uh, cash flow the way. You... Right, hold on, though. Okay, all right. So this, this thing may not be putting money in your pocket. In right. fact, the thing may have an ongoing cost associated with it. It may, however, so so it may be taking money out of your pocket. Right? If it's there's no cash flow in, but there is a cash flow out. That nothing's going in the pocket. Some's coming out, but. It could be the case that the value of the asset itself is rising faster than the amount of money that you got to pay out each uh, for for maintenance costs or what have you. Okay, that's still an asset. Absolutely. So something that could under that taxonomy be classified as a liability is actually an asset. And if we start with capital, if we start with the perspective of capital, monetary value of assets that you own, right? If you start there, then... Problems like this are eliminated, and you know. Think of a. Think well, there are two
0: different types of assets. Then, if one throws off a cash flow and one doesn't. Right? I know, I mean, and
1: all that's fine. But I'm talking okay. about the, this framework, this setup that says an asset is something that puts money in your pocket, yeah, yeah. and a liability is one that puts money out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah. It's all like, right. yeah, maybe, but not always, right? And in fact, there's areas where that could be wrong.
0: So then, I mean, that goes back to your earlier comment. You know that that. Uh, based on some of the questions and some of the things that you have to work through with newly or prospective clients or people that are, you're engaging with, you can almost tell who and what they're listening to.
1: Oh, it's, I mean, it's immediate, the obvious. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you were just saying that I'm thinking, man, you know, listen, I have a tractor, right? It costs money. Um, It's an asset. And, and currently it's an appreciating asset just Mm -hmm. because of the supply chain and the, um, what's going on around the world as far as governmental you know politics and anyway uh, but you know a garden hoe I can purchase that one time right it's not going to throw a cash flow it's not going to cost me any more money right it'll cost me time effort and energy when I put it to use and the result of its use can either cost me money right if I do it wrong and have to pay somebody to come in and correct it whatever mm-hmm. the work is or if I do it correctly then it could Increase the value of the land or the property or, Mm. um, you know, I mean, that's a very, I'm talking about tractor and hoe, very, very different. But application is just, the difference is scale, right? Yep. Um, I can grow beef, I can grow grass or whatever. Yeah. Um, It's still an asset and it has no cash flow in and of itself. So it's a tool. Mm -hmm. And how's the tool? Every asset should be a tool, in my opinion. And, you know, I speak a lot to that life insurance is an asset. Yes. If you own it, you should know how to manage your asset. Going back to the dependency, you should not be dependent upon third-party software. You should not be dependent. You should not even be dependent upon the home office staff. Mm. You, the individual, you, the agent. You should not be dependent on anyone. Mm-hmm. Um
1: so, but, but dividend paying whole life is a great example here because, you know, if I have a contract and I'm, I'm relatively fresh into this and I haven't taken a policy loan yet, I haven't taken some sort of cash flow or distribution <laughs> from the contract, goodness. but I'm paying money in, money's going out of my pocket, you know, does, well, does that mean that this contract's a liability until I decide to take a policy loan against it? Well, it depends on who of, you talk to. Of course not. The right. answer, well, the answer is no. Yeah, like, no, the It's still an no. asset, uh, and and the value, is the, the cash value is continuing to rise and will be of use to you down the line. So it's thing, my whole, the broader, you know, Nelson always talked about proper classification, mm-hmm. and so I don't like or I get a little triggered maybe when these classification systems that I think are meant to facilitate marketing and to yep. let's say maybe generate leads for my real estate advisory education quote-unquote education business which is what a lot of that whole structure is built upon it's like oh how convenient i have a taxonomy that points to what i'm so you know well, that- which could be fine it could be right <laughs> right it could be correct i just don't in that particular little case, I don't think it is. And look, I've read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad stuff, and I know that's been of value to other people. Same thing with HELOCs. Yes, they're better than mortgages. Same thing with Ramsey. I don't hate everything he says, but you know it's okay to have a little bit of nuanced criticism about these various things that come up so that we're correcting errors. Again, going back to Nelson, constantly course correcting like the pilot. Flying somewhere, constantly course correcting. So we need to just realize these things and not idolize them, not put them up as like the end all be all and, you know, mm. take what value we can from it and then <laughs> move on. <laughs> you know,
0: going back to Michael and classification, I mean, I, I loved when he was talking about how hard of a taskmaster he is on his mother. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. And did uh, proper, uh, really, classification with vision, right, and into the future. He doesn't look at a dollar as a dollar.
1: I caught that, too. He said oh something to the Very effect powerful. of how I think about money has changed. Yeah. And I, I, I from, he didn't say this specifically, but from what he was saying, I was like, you're thinking in terms of capital. You're, you're, thinking, like, yeah, absolutely you're thinking like a banker if we talk about it in an occupational language. You're thinking like a capitalist if we're talking really praxeologically or economically, but... Uh, He's seeing the alternative use, right? And I tell this, I say this with people too. We, and we've talked on and on forever about the difference of the relationship between capital and opportunity. Mm -hmm. But there is a scientific link, I believe, and I will argue in my dissertation that there is a link between capital how much financial value someone knows they could get to, something that they believe, that they've judged, that they've discerned to be embedded within their assets. There is a link between how much, the quantity of that capital and the quality of it, how easy it is to get to it, and the opportunity, the nature of the economic landscape that they see. Right. Someone walking around who's more capitalized sees the world, sees the economic landscape, sees opportunity differently. The set of circumstances no that they yeah. have every reason to believe if they were to intervene within, right, if they were to impose their will, leverage their purchasing power on a given set of circumstances to transform it into something better, the range of those opportunities, the range of those circumstances, the scope of them widens mm-hmm. and the the potential value to be gained from acting upon them increases. Right? And so I get a lot of questions often from new clients and have in the last week about, well, what do I do with my cash value? What's the best way to use my policy loans? And my response a lot of the times is something like this. It's like, look, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but we've all heard of insider trading, right? The things that nobody else knows about, that only a few elite special people find out about, and and the whole reason people do it is to go get these tremendous outsized gains that are not available to other people in the market. All right, well, the same principle goes here, right? If I knew the highest and best use of your money and your circumstances given your background and your unique sets of skills and talents, well, then it wouldn't be the high value opportunity that it'll be for you, right? You're There's only certain things that an individual on the ground at a specific time in a specific place with a certain amount of capital and a certain amount of skills and perceptions and beliefs about the world is going to experience and encounter. And those things are where the greatest gains, the greatest revenue, the greatest profits are. And... You know, I could tell you things that and people you've interviewed tons of clients here who have talked about the things that they've used their policy loans and cash values for. And we could go over that. It's the Asians, right? Vacations, medications, uh, you name it. All those the things that we're going to pay for, educations, the things we're going to pay for anyway. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can we can do that under our control and at a lower uh, cost in terms of interest by volume and all that. But we shouldn't lose sight of all those lose sight. It's unseen, right? It's a, it's something that's going yeah, to come. That's a lot of ground time. you're
0: covering here. I mean, that's a lot of ground, and repetition is okay. Uh, you know, look, not only. Uh, you know, when you have capital, the landscape does look differently mm-hmm. because you think differently. Now we're getting off into psychology. I mean, I don't know what your dissertation. I don't. Be that's on. not. Sci-
1: I can, don't think that's psychology.
0: I believe it is psychology. The the behavior because of one's thinking. I'm not saying it's a scientific uh, study of uh, action, but it
1: absolutely is psychology. There's both. There's how you think, but then you can't. And, speak. and
0: how you're thinking uh affects your behavior, right in a, in a given person or a given group. And I'm just saying here, a simple point that I've made over and over and over, it's your ability to recognize an opportunity. your ability to recognize an opportunity increases because you have capital. I mean that's something that I discovered personally and I have seen in my clients. And then two, going back to, well, you know, what do we do? What do we do? It is okay to build capital. That could be the focus. That is that is the purpose. That mm-hmm. is the action, and the reward is in the action, but it's in the future, right? In mm-hmm. current, I'm not saying that there's not a reward. You know, creating discipline is a reward, immediate reward, right? But it's a long term endeavor. So, um, it is okay to build capital. And, which mm-hmm. is to your point there, but you see that an awful lot. Well, I've got a cash value, so I need to take a loan immediately because you have cash value. No,
1: yeah, and I don't mean to say that there's not a psychological element. There certainly is, but like you. Mises and yes. other Austrian economists have been careful to distinguish between psychology and praxeology, or the science of human action. And I think there's 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 both elements. I think there's a, a A sense, praxeologically speaking, economically speaking, that there is a a transformation in the way that we are that's even deeper than the psychological element that may cause or lead to changes in psychology. But, you know, we go all the way back to Mises and human action, the three tenets of action. You have to have have felt uneasiness. You have to have a vision of better circumstances. And you have to have belief in a way to get there. And I think that capital, the financial (laughs) value of action. Like a glove. Yeah. That capital. It interacts with that third element, right? The belief in the in the ability to get there. The more capital you have, mm, you the, can
0: it, it, it interacts with all of them. But I'm going to be highly uncomfortable if I don't have any capital and I'm dependent on someone else. Hmm. Right. So I mean, capital interacts with that too. Hmm. Right. And if and look, there's uh, you know, is it Jim Rohn I believe that's like, you know, there are only two great motivators in all of life. You know, the fear of loss hmm. or the uh, need for gain. Right. And, and I'm like, well, okay, you know, I hear that. And I, I kind of believe that. And it makes sense to me. And it's like, okay, well, listen, if somebody called you at four o'clock in the morning, right? And, you know, and you're not a late person, you're sound asleep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And somebody says, hey, Ryan, there's somebody outside stealing your truck. They're trying to break into your truck.
1: All right. <laughs> this is Texas. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, and maybe that's too, uh, you know, that, that, uh, is too high of a value of a... Mm, I really like my truck. I yeah, trying. I know. It's a nice truck. Um, and, and, dang, we talked about a whole podcast episode was spent I know. searching for foreign built automobiles and <laughs> they weren't trucks. Anyway, so somebody called you in the middle of the night and said, listen, <clears throat> you know somebody's trying to break into your house or, or break into your barn or you know, uh, break into your automobile. It's like that. That can motivate you depending on the value of that truck, or you know what's in your barn, or what have you. Um, fear of loss. If somebody you know uh, calls you at four o'clock in the morning and said, "Listen, you've won the lottery. You've won you've won five thousand dollars." Which one is going to motivate you to get out of bed? In my example, oh, let's say your let's say your car worth loss, five grand.
1: Yeah, it's greater than the right perception of value to begin. Uh, but I'm uneasy.
0: You know? When we're talking about my capital, it does apply. It's my problem. Mm.
1: No, oh, I like that. I like that. And it connects, too, to a, a conversation I was having with the, speaking of psychology, with an individual by the name of Kanal. Kanal, I think, listens. So this is Look at you him.
0: throwing the names out there. Oh,
1: yeah, they mm-hmm. listen. Got to throw some love. Uh, so he's in California, and we were having a conversation about, a, about psychology. We had reached mm. the end of the process. This man is doing well. My early forties, business business person, yeah, multiple, uh, multiple manifestations of this business, right? Several enterprise in different regions, doing very well.
0: So he understands capital and cash flows.
1: Well, yes, and then we've also been adding to that, right? And he shared that he didn't grow up super poor. It wasn't like total poverty, but it was you know lower middle, lower class where you're fed and you're clothed, but money's tight, right? And consequently, as he became successful, (laughs) yeah, as he became successful and started his own family and uh, he's a first generation immigrant and did really well in in this country and in in California in particular, uh, he built up a substantial checking account balance, And we're talking with premium and we're talking about a premium and a structure that legitimately corresponded to his impressive financial activities. Right, And if you're generating a lot of cash flow and managing a lot of cash flow, well, then you need a policy that will accept a substantial cash flow in the form of premium so that you can become your own banker in a timely fashion. Now, for someone who this was his first contract, right? So, for someone who's coming to the table for the first time and and wants to implement this correctly and appropriately, and we're talking about the premium that would be appropriate to do that, there's a little sticker shock, right? Like it's a big number. And yeah, but that that's relative to who the individual is. I know, but this is where he's coming from, and he, yeah. and so we're talking about you know deploying some of that checking account balance and that money that's. Stocked up in the in the bank account to transition it over into his system, his property, his asset, right? Where he's going to be paid a dividend, where he can control whether or not to take a loan and when, or if to pay it back and so on. Uh, And and so he brought this up. I didn't even bring it up. He's like, you know, Ryan, this isn't about whether to do IBC. This is about how much. This is about the premium. And he's like, you know, I need to take. Some time, and I leave time. There's no rush when we do this, right? It's like, I need to take some time and I need to work through this, uh, and wrap my mind around, you know, and move beyond, evo- develop beyond, evolve beyond the, what, what I, what, what is a result of my circumstance or a result of my, you know, origin story and so forth. You know, this, this he developed an attachment to having a a significant checking account balance. Cause, and I totally empathize and I shared my story with him and I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, I totally get it. And there's a sense in which I'm in that process too. Like we got to get, you're all in that process that, you
0: know, and I'm just going to interject here that it's like, I don't care how much the premium is, if it doesn't cause your eyebrow to raise, if it doesn't cause, you know, a little sweat beads to break out upon your nose and upon your brow, mm-hmm. or if your spouse doesn't look at you and question your intelligence, you know, it's probably not a legitimate number. Uh, that's and Now, that doesn't that mean that's where you have to start. You can back off and start where you're most comfortable, but you shouldn't. that Look, all of growth in our thinking, in our, in our physical, you know... Um, uh, bodies, you know, taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, financially. The growth exists outside of your comfort zone. Mm. So if you if, if you are throwing out low numbers, all of us, I did the same thing. I, I threw out when my first policies. I'm ashamed of how small the premium was, although it was much larger in premium than I'd ever paid before. And I've said it many times, I started so small because there's a lack of faith, right? I thought I understood and I was pretty sure, you know, I uh, expected the companies to do what they said they were going to do. And lo and behold, most of them did. <laughs> and the ones that didn't, you know, I'm still not hurt. And, you know, I'm still not, you know, it's not a tragic era. Um, so we all tend to start too small. And when we get into the realm of legitimate numbers, premiums for us, they're substantial. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't care if you've got a million dollar income, a five million dollar premium, a two and a half million dollar premium, a million dollar premium, or a $5,000 premium. The premium is relative to you and your family. Um, So I'm just saying that, you know, for an individual in a particular circumstance to come up with a five or $10,000 premium it's almost like the widow's might. You know, that could be more substantial than the guy who can legitimately pay a million dollars a year, but he won't pay more than 250. Right. Right. And then as a side note, because I love you guys. Right. And I know there's agents and advisors out there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're not paying a premium and if you're not paying a substantial premium, quit asking your clients to pay anything. Oof. You know, it's like, I see it all the time. And it's like, oh, you know. I'm... Anyway, it's OK for you. To pay a premium, yeah. the way, and I know most of you do. I'm sure most of you do, but I'm speaking to the ones that don't, or the ones that have discovered that you should have been or could have been, should be paying more. Okay, it's okay. Be the leader. Okay,
1: that's so funny. As you're going through, I'm thinking of how because I, I have several people now who are coming back. Speaking of underbuilding, yeah. you know, people start where they start, and then oh yeah, and then, and then our come on, our clients are like top people uh, relative and, to and, the, and the reason to the why is person. because
0: they typically listen yeah. for a, a generally a lengthy period of time before they take action and they don't only i mean they've heard and they've been exposed to other uh information out there too. some of the noise i, I you know my clients can spot noise mm-hmm. i'm like oh my gosh that's a win that's a home run yeah, um,
1: but with with these people who are coming back to yeah. expand their system, I, I've enjoyed, and I just find it uh, affirming, <laughs> reassuring, uh, a little ironic about how the the language changes. Right, if you get someone who's new, just ripe and green to the whole idea, you know, they might say, "Well, the, you know, that that premium sounds pretty high." And then someone who's really into IBC, oh, that premium was too low. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, well, well, when I get healthier, you know, I'll, I'll get, when I lose some weight, I'll get started. Yeah. And then they get started. Man, I wish I would have started this sooner. <laughs> you know? yeah. and oh, the,
0: wait, they, I use cannabis or I use tobacco. Can I get preferred? No, damn. probably not. Um, what does that mean? That just means you're not going to get preferred. Mm-hmm.
1: That's all it means. Yeah. What's my right. underwriting status? Versus, can we just get the policy in for us so I can pay a premium? Exactly. You know, I mean, when I say it, I mean there's a lot
0: maybe behind it, but all life insurance is priced properly. Right. Perfectly Period. priced.
1: And there's more. You know, can can you send me an illustration? Send me those. No. Versus someone who's already started. You know, do you want to see the illustration? Like, no. well, I, it'll be in the policy. It'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. No. Just I'm get good. us through underwriting. And then, uh, you know, someone just starting. Well, we really got to make, you know, how, how much is going to go to the PUA? We, we need to really make sure that there's big yeah. big chunk of PUA, right? Yeah. And Someone who's just started, you know, do we really need to use term? What if I did more how on base? How, how much does that, that like? term cost? Hey. And couldn't <laughs>
0: that premium dollar go to the PUA? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it could. And what does that do to your policy structure? Oh, yeah, I love that. I like that a lot. I love it. I, I love people, right? That's what I love. Um, you get the young person that has a long-term goal a long-term vision you know they're building they're building their family they're building their practices they're building their business you know they're building they're building right which uh is a pretty good mold mode to be in the majority of your life mm. you know i used, nelson used to say he was more productive in the last 20 years of his life than the previous 60 years mm. shut the front door Right, And then we have people trying to retire and take us out of service. And the whole concept of retirement is a socialistic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I digress. It's uh, the long-term thinker. Right, This is a long-term idea. You want to be your own banker this week or just your life? <laughs> you don't want to teach your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren how to be their own banker? Maybe, maybe we won't be alive when our great grandchildren are here. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you don't want to build a foundation for them? You know, in such a way that it intrigues them to the point, it's like, my gosh, who was my great grandfather? And dang, it looks like he was smart and I want to just see how smart he was. What's wrong with that?
1: Yeah. Nothing. 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 And uh, speaking about high checking, and you
0: know. I know you young person might not be able to think to your great grandchildren, but some of you will. And the older you get, it'll be easier. Okay,
1: yeah. Well, it's the way to think about your father, or your grandfather. They were once your age too. They were. It just follows that,
0: and they. I believe that they were doing the best they could. <laughs> right. Well, why didn't somebody tell them about this idea? Yeah. Life insurance been around two hundred years in the United States
1: all right yeah another point on uh high checking account balances and all this i get i still get a lot of questions and it's always from the people who have they're interested more maybe even vocationally in economics or austrian economics or politics or liberty related things and they're familiar with the fact that the money supply over time on a graph is just a northwest line you know diagonal up and to the right Uh, constantly increasing. And so understandably, there's a concern about how dividend paying whole life built for the IBC, you know, what the, how does it relate to, how does it integrate with, what's the relationship with between that and an inflationary, meaning increase in the uh, quantity of money and and then the uh, eventual associated uh, increases in consumer prices. Like how, you know, should I be worried because you get these Austrians who uh, can't help themselves but be doom and gloom, right? and yes, you should be worried. Yeah, well, and sure, and, and or no, fine. Or you should
0: be aware. You, you, know? Know? you should you know, be
1: concerned. I'm, I'm reminded of a. <laughs> I saw a thing from Fee. Right, they they posted this article and it had a a chart tracking the change in prices of goods in different industries over time. Oh yeah, I seen. Yeah. That. yeah, and I'm I'm always reminded of. And I remember when I first met Nelson in the first seminar in Northern California. I went to. Uh, and I knew he was an Austrian. He talked all about Leonard Reed and he's real into the Austrian economics. And so, I, of course, I default think, oh, he's going to be one of these inflation doom and gloom right. guys too. <laughs> and, and, and he goes, inflation? What inflation? Right. And he would talk about the price of chicken breasts and the price of bananas yeah, yeah. back in the army commissary and what they are at Costco now. Yeah. He's like, the price has gone down. And then he would point out that the five factor, right, the things that the, yeah. the where the most uh, price inflation has occurred are those things. In which education, welfare, right? Those things in which government is most involved in. Mm. He's like, so there's no inflation. There's there's government. That that's the problem, right? And I'm like, oh, that was so nice. And it's such a refreshing, refreshing perspective because Austrians, which is just hilarious, because they they think that they're you know the, this we're, we care about the individual. Right. And there's these individual decomposed components. But then when we talk about policy or monetary policy, it's these big global aggregates. It's it's like all prices are going to go up and all this inflation. And when the money supply goes up, then the interest rate goes up. It's like. And then we're all going to be in the Weimar Republic. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like that is that is not true. Right. People know that what the price of groceries are people know what's changed with the price of cellular and electronic technology people see that it isn't the case that all consumer prices have gone up and even of those that have gone up they all don't go up at the same rate right and what it's like y'all should remember Richard Cantillon, who was one of the originals in this vein of thought in this Austrian school of thought uh, who who, who eventually the, the term was coined uh, uh, a on effects right the, the, this new money this new general medium of exchange or perfect substitutes for it this rise in the supply of money doesn't just go to all of us equally at the same time no right, it goes no. to certain people and it affects you know, the idea is that this new money is going to bid up the prices of certain goods because people who have more money than they did yesterday because all this money got created out of thin air they're going to have more purchasing power so they are going to bid up the prices of what all goods No, certain things, right? That's why we see certain price Stock market. Stock market, fine goods, luxury goods, right? These are the things where prices are bid up first. Uh, Factors of production in credit uh, intensive industries, right? Things that where you got to borrow a lot to facilitate the production process. Anyway, uh, so it's, it's just, it's, it's in our history. We should know that it's not the case that all prices are going to go up. And lo and behold, like Nelson would point out, the, the master at bringing it back to the you and me level would point out that that is absolutely not the case. I mean, we got to read and history. So, oh yeah, what a concept. <clears throat> and, and so that, that should be reassuring. It's like, even when you've got, and look, I agree. <laughs> I've got an article coming out in the Quarterly Journal of Austrian Economics. I know what's going on with the money supply. I can count it better than the Fed can, but- Oh, they can count. No, our money supply metric is better than theirs because we have a better definition. They can of money. count. They just manipulate their numbers. Sure, but they yes. can count. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I'm on board with that. I get that it's all bad and it's stealing and we're you know shifting the purchasing power away from the fixed income earners over to the elite. I'm all on board with that. Yep. But it is a it is a bridge too far to go into just universal, ubiquitous doom and gloom. It's always going to be bad, right? No, it's not. If I had a solution at the you and me level, Hmm.
0: the Austrians wouldn't have damn near anything to talk about. (laughs) And I know, listen, I got nothing but love for y'all. You don't have to send me hate mail. I love y'all. And I even know what a good cigar is. And I can (laughs) help some of you. I'm just saying, what would they talk about? Yeah.
1: And it's out of love, right? Iron sharpens iron. We, we, we got to get more and more precise and correct over time. So it, it really is out of love and not being something personal, but it's not helpful to walk around with this sense of doom and gloom that everything's going to be bad. Now, does that mean that you don't acknowledge what is going on and the nature of the situation? No, but it, all, it also means that there is space to organize your personal economy in a way that would put you in a better position down the line. Hmm, I wonder what way that would be. And and this takes us to the conversation (laughs) of the the contract in particular. And I tell, uh, to, to sum it up as precisely and concisely as possible, I tell people, you know, whatever's going on in the rest of the economy with the value of the currency, whether you can buy more tomorrow than you can buy today with the same amount of money, regardless of whatever's going on there, within this contract, that's built correctly. It comes from the right company. Uh, your dollars, which will go in as premium, they will appreciate, period. You will generate more cash value per premium dollar over time. Guaranteed. Period. Guaranteed.
0: Don't care what the Fed's doing. You can't control what the Fed's doing. What? Yeah. Can you control inflation? No. No, you can't. Can you control taxes? <laughs> no, they're going only. down. <laughs> right, <huh? laughs> Uh, legitimately, you know, no, you can try to avoid taxes and legally and illegally. You cannot control the tax environment. You can't control inflation. So then with all of this uh, disinformation, misinformation, and noise out there, the average All-American, if they're not paying attention, they they don't know what to do. You know, if they don't read, if they don't know what to read, mm-hmm. right, <clears throat> then it's like, what do we do? Oh, abdicate your responsibility, throw all of your money into a qualified government program because they have your best interests at heart, right? So you can expose your capital to risk. And if we talk about a definition of risk and we can debate what all that means, but um, could we agree that the A, definition of risk is the probability of loss, Okay. Yeah. So I want to throw all my money into a program that was created for my benefit that I'm paying all the fees for. I'm assuming all the responsibility. I have no guarantees and I'm going to throw it into a place where I'm exposing my money to the probability of risk over the longest time period. That is not a solution.
1: I would go even a step further and say, I'm being gentle and say, it's, it's it's an eventuality. It's not a, it's not an if it's a when, no because question. so long as this economy is built on the fractional reserve banking system, there will be a business cycle. Okay. There will be recessions and depressions. The value of those stock market prices will go down. It's a matter of time. So it's, it, it, it there is a sense in which there's a risk to it, but it, it's more of an eventuality. It's going to happen. It's
0: cyclical. I mean, it, it, it has to happen. That business cycle that you're speaking of. And if you go beyond that, well, what are we going to do without? What would we do without somebody telling us who's going to build the roads and paying the exuberant, the overpayment to, to build the The same people will build the roads. The very same people that build the roads now will build the roads then. And they'll build it much more efficiently at a much lower price. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, well, what about education? Who's going to educate our children? The same people that educate our children now, or maybe there's more homeschooling. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, the economy, I mean, the, is going to the business cycle with, that's manipulated, right? The boom-bust cycle because of fractional reserve banking. What are we going to do without fractional reserve banking? Oh, I don't know. And in, enjoy, we would enjoy an economy among ourselves that
1: is least manipulated. Just ask somebody in okay. practicing IBC what it, life would be like without fractional reserve banking. Mm. Someone who's fully capitalized has sufficient cash value such that they can take policy loads to finance everything they're doing. And if I happen to want to go to the in, market,
0: I can borrow to put money in the market. Wait, what is that a new idea? No. Margin. You can t- the, the brokers you can have a margin account. Tomorrow, you could probably go online and do it, right? All digital now. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You can right. sign your life away real quick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then this idea of like, well, zero, you know, you can go to zero. No, no. You can go right past zero. Mm. Um, so what what is life like beyond the market? What is life like beyond the interest rates? What is life like beyond you know the credit score? Roll up your arm, Yudin. What is your number? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to you know I should put a yellow star on my jacket. Let's don't. I already have one on my license. I'm in Texas. I got a yellow star on my driver's license in Texas. Okay, so I'm not making light of. Uh, I'm I'm trying to bring levity to the paradigm that we live in today. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is life like beyond a third party lender telling me what and when and how? Oh, I don't know. It's better. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm not saying that, that you know, there's problem free and it solves everything, but oh my gosh, it solves a dang lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just telling you it's okay. So don't get hung up on the, you know, the noise. Right, And there's noise out there and it's okay to learn and it's okay to start where you're at and it's okay to build upon what you started. All right? Mm-hmm. So get to it, man.
1: And it's all possible.
0: You know, it's all... No kidding. And it's so not complicated. You're talking about clients. I mean, that's a part of our daily experiences. Mm -hmm. Clients come in, James, you know, know, I know you said we were going to start too small, but there's never pressure. There's never... You start where you're at. You start where you're... I've got nothing but encouragement to get you out of your comfort zone. That doesn't mean you're going to overload you with something that's not good for you and your family. Right. Excuse me. You're not interested in that at all. Part of our daily... My daily, day in and day out, I get to speak with new clients, new prospective clients. Um, and oh, my gosh, they fly in and chat mm. live. That's that's a cool. beautiful thing. But part of the daily experience is, you know, clients is like, well, James, you know, you said we should do this. And, I, you know, I've got enough courage or I've got, you know, I, I, I had that phone call on the way home yesterday. Mm. A gentleman, farmer, doing well, producing, um, family and He's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do what we talked about. I want to continue. It took me a little while, and it's like, no problem. Um, It's your speed, your speed. You know, and I've said it many times. You know, we have plenty of time, none to waste, right? It's okay to move forward. It's okay to make the minor adjustments as we go forward.
1: Course correction. Hmm? Course correction. Absolutely.
0: And if you're not doing that, you're you're you have an opportunity to do better. We should all continually improve, shouldn't we? Mm. If we can. And so I love it whenever clients come back repeatedly and Mm -hmm. say, wow, this is better than I thought. This is better than I thought.
1: Um, yeah, I, I distinguish between like an intellectual understanding and an experiential understanding. No question. Like you can know it in your head. You read the book. You listen to the podcast. You've done the homework. You've researched. You're starting your first one. There, That's all good. And there's value. And you're well on your way. There is another level of understanding that will come through the experience of paying a policy loan, logging into your account, seeing the cash value go up, requesting a policy loan, receiving it, using the money, paying it back.
0: Taking like- advantage of an opportunity and profiting from that, being in a better position because you had access to capital and you had the wherewithal to recognize it and then you had the discipline and the courage to take advantage and do it. We can talk about it and, you know, it's like, you know, we can talk about it all day long until you do it. It's not done. And if you don't do it, who will? If not you, who?
1: Yeah. And they do and it's like, you know,
0: is I want to do it again, yeah. and again, and again and, again, and again, and again, and again, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. Why couldn't I get past the word life insurance? You know, and I understand, James, when, you know, because I get beat up, I get pushback uh, comments, whatever, for talking about the noise. Well- OK, once you're at the level or, you know, you can recognize the noise for what it is because of your experience and because of your understanding, you will agree with me, I believe. Mm. All right. And I get that a lot, too. It's like, James, a lot of these people get hung up on this small stuff because they don't know. Why don't they know? They haven't taken the time to educate themselves. And look, going out online and doing your research is akin to Christopher Columbus. Before, in 1492, before he set sail, if he'd have walked around all of Europe and, and got a, con, you know, hey, what's your opinion? Is the world flat or is it round? The consensus would have been it's flat. Mm. That is not research. Oof. All right,
1: now. You're saying you actually got to step out for yourself and go do it?
0: Well, that's actually absolutely a part of it. You do all the research, but do some legitimate research. If we're talking about the infinite banking concept, and we are, day in and day out, banking with a mm. lot nelson's book becoming your own banker first book second book building your warehouse of wealth his six and a half hour dvd series is on is available and you get a discount if you purchase it you know from from my office Mm uh and you know what it costs money all of education costs money mistakes will cost you more than education in my opinion all right so you're going to spend the money anyway if you're going to take action right so spend the money go to the go to the source right Get an education. You know, I've got a quote up here on a whiteboard. You know, we we do nothing but work. We're producers. I'm a producer. I create content. And I cre- I do research. And so I'm looking at a quote. You can't see it on camera. And I got this directly from uh, a marketing campaign that that uh, targeted me on Facebook. Right. And you're no different than me. We're all targeted. The guy said, "Quote unquote, you can keep taking money out." and it doesn't matter because it just keeps making more <laughs> specifically talking about their their version their bastardized 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 version of Nelson's work the infinite banking concept of course they named it something else and that was just one of them you know I could, anyway my point <laughs> is go to the source and educate yourself right Get that foundation, and then go waller in all of the noise that you want. It'll repulse you, in my opinion. Yeah. If you want to know the truth, right? If you read Nelson's works first, and then go do the research online, I think you'll clearly see, or you'll you'll there'll be an improvement in your ability to identify the noise. And I'm just saying it'll repulse you.
1: Uh, along those lines, I have one, a quick story that I meant to mention earlier, but of uh, a client named Rachel. And,
0: uh, I mean, am I gonna, do I need to bring a list of clients and throw their names out? I'm just saying. Well, I mean, okay. if you can't
1: remember them <laughs> off the top of your head, you might need to.
0: <laughs> I
1: know my clients and I love them. But uh, Rachel, so Rachel had been a client for about a, a year now. And uh, I think it's been about how long, but she's coming back for more. And I'm learning more and more about her circumstances. And she's telling me about what's changed since she first got started. And they started small, and she knew it was gonna be underbuilt. And sure. so they're coming back to expand the system now that they have that experiential understanding of what really goes on. And as she's done this, it's just, I know. <laughs> she's like me, very, she can be very charismatic. And, and so she's telling me, we're on the phone we're like, Two hours, right? And it's not even like a client call. We're just, now we're just having fun. And, (laughs) right. And she's walking me through all the different things that she sees now that's changing, like (laughs) in her life. Yeah. In her life and then the lives of her family. She's like, she's like, we're thinking about, you know, having to get trust and stuff in place because we have certain siblings that are not good with money and we're worried about their kids and- Because we love them. Yeah, and so I'm walking her through all the options with death benefit and how we Mm -hmm. can structure it with beneficiaries and contingent beneficiaries and the different types of payouts, right? It ain't, you don't just have to pour a whole lump sum on somebody right away. If you want that to pay out over time, we can do that, right? We can solve for a lot of the things that people might by default think you need some other expensive legal thing to use for. And that could be the case, but if we know what's going on with life insurance and all the options and rights that we have, we can solve for a lot of that just within the life insurance contract itself. And so I'm, I'm adding this and she's starting to see how, j- just just with the death benefit alone, right? The, the cash value is a whole nother side of this. And she's involved in her church and you know, wants her church to adopt what she's now seeing. And she's seeing different things, you know, the whole rona nonsense over the last year or so she you know she's like hmm what skills do i have so she got into soap making and she's going to get animals and i mean for her property and starting to see all these different ways all these skills that she has that can be integrated into the broader family system and then talking about her kids you know one's about to become an adult and talking about how they're going to finance a car for him and you know what what that's going to look like borrowing from the family rather than going out to a third-party lender and and you know, she's she's telling me all this. Right. You know, I don't have to volunteer that stimulated any thinking
0: that's That's stimulated that's increasing in the correct direction because of action.
1: Yeah. It's just taken off. You know, it's yeah. just been an explosion of new understanding yeah. of how this can all work and how it will work over time. Because you, need, you just need a well-run mutual company and then a desire and ability to pay premium. And a properly structured policy would help you in the long run. Yeah. And then... The rest will fall into place. So long as the people can share the ideas, it's going to fall into place. And even for the people who can't wrap their minds around it, you want to take care of them. There's certain things that can be done to make sure they're looked after.
0: Yeah. You know, you you bring up charitable and churches. It's like I I see, I have more and more conversations with pastors, preachers, evangelists, ministers. um, And they're they're expanding. They're under. They're getting past this by term and in, That by, will, happen.
1: It it will, will happen. IBC will get into the church. And, well, the
0: IBC is going to take over the world, in my opinion. Now we're just talking about time
1: timelines. Time matter of time, you know. Um, independently, financially sustained churches that can last in perpetuity so long as the future generations of leaders can wrap their mind around what's going on with IBC.
0: And it's okay to lay the proper foundation for them and lead the way and be the example. Oh, wait, that applies in your business. That applies in my business. That applies in your family. It applies in my family. It applies in in everything. What? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Be the example. Lead the way. If not you, who? Who?
1: Yeah. yeah yeah. I can't wait for the first church one I mean I've, I've already decided like uh, in lieu of tithing I met a pastor recently <laughs>
0: in lieu of tithing yeah. wait no what are we talking about well not in of? lieu
1: of yeah. you know you get what I'm saying yeah, yeah. but uh I was talking to a guy, I go to this uh, little hangout spot and I'd seen him there a lot. And so I'll just introduce myself and come to find out he's a pastor at a- Being
0: all charismatic. At a a church, yeah, (laughs) well,
1: you know, (laughs) can't help myself sometimes. So I go and introduce myself and we ended up having an hour long conversation. Most time I've ever had a pastor spend with me directly, one-on-one Wow. since getting back, oh yeah. And it was like super late. We're just chatting, you know? And so I end up going to his church. This is his first time this past weekend. I'll go again this weekend. Low income neighborhood, you know, uh, somewhere that I would not have gone had I not met this man and an got invitation. to know him and had an invitation. And mm-hmm. so I went. It was I, I felt the most welcome and wanted I've ever felt in a church. Is that the
0: way you're supposed to feel in the a church?
1: I think so, but you know, it, it just has never. You can't really articulate or ask for that feeling. It's like, it's there or it's not. Right. You either feel it or you don't. And this was the first time I was like, oh, wow, this could, like I want more of this. You know, I, I could see how yeah. this could be a thing. And, Why isn't uh, everybody a Christian? Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm getting, and I'm like, and it really felt. And I know most of you are. 100%. And it really felt like, and I understand tithing and active act of obedience and all of that, but setting that aside, there's still a, a, a feeling of, you know, if I, Give them the, these financial resources, these resources. Is it going to be properly stewarded? Sure. Or is it going to be flushed away? Like, I know uh, churches I've gone to, there have been big old embezzlement scandals and stuff in the past. Sure. Like, you know, and i, I it's just whether well, that's some whether of those guys need,
0: you know, one or two or three or four planes yeah right i mean you know they gotta they gotta fly the gospel all around the world right, or yeah. you know 55 million dollars. it's hard to
1: shake that you know it's like <laughs> and I, I do this like, for a living it's like i live this i live proper stewardship of money and so right. it's it's hard to set that down and but anyway it was much easier at this church because i was like you know and i'm looking at the building and i'm like Ew, when you know Need some work to be done, and and I I knew the guy was not extravagant. I mean, well, listen, very
0: you're tumble. charismatic, but you have a strong back and two hands too.
1: Well, we could talk. I mean, I offered you to help you with your driveway, and you haven't told me once whether you want me to come out and help you. So, but can you drive a tractor? I offer. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's a wheel. You point it straight, and you're (laughs) (laughs) done. But I'm sitting in this church with this guy, and and I'm like, you know, I really feel like I could be helpful here, and it would be put to good use. It wouldn't be squandered. And and he had even asked. I don't. I do not lead with what I do with anybody. Right. And I don't even like when people ask because we're going to talk about life insurance and ooh, and it's just not going to go anywhere good. Uh, Psychology, yeah, uh-huh. that
0: we're surrounded in when it comes to life insurance on purpose. Don't think it was by accident.
1: But, but this this gentleman had been you know led to become a pastor much later in his life and was really not the you know he was brought up in the church but fought it for a long time to, sure. to lead the church and so he he understood. I think he understands, you know, this contrarian style of thinking and being aware of preconceived notions. And anyway, so we got talking about what I do finally. And (laughs) finally got around to that. Finally got around (laughs) to it and talking about IBC. And and as I'm the drive home, it occurs to me, you know, why go and try to get someone to understand this? Why don't I just do it? Why don't you just say, hey, listen, Mr. And you person who gives to the church, just consider this for a moment. Why don't you talk to, you know, if you're a senior member, you know the senior pastor, you know the, the elder council or whomever's leading the church. And why not have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna give you this money, right? I was gonna write this check anyway for an offering or a tithe or what have you. And, um, but consider this for a moment. What, you know, what if I insured you instead? Right, and then you, and then the money I offer to the, my donation to this charitable entity can be used to pay the premium, so that the entity itself doesn't have to find the money to pay the premium anywhere else. Right, and that way we could get this properly structured IBC style contract up and in force and owned by the church, and then uh, as. And we'll have a little conversation. You know, you've got to learn how to use it. I right? don't want to take ownership of something you don't understand. So we'll have a little conversation about what it means and what you can do with it. Uh, and then when you, senior pastor or senior member in the church, when God calls you home, all this money is going to come back to the church. Hmm. And then, but while you were living, you're going to have all the use of that cash value. Listen, listen man, that's just
0: one. Yes, this is beautiful. So how many board members are there? How many elders are there? How many bishops? Whomever they call, whomever the leadership, whatever the terminology is used in your denomination, right? Um, how many of them are there, and do they rotate?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Are they
0: insurable? Some are, some aren't. Okay, and the, even the even even the preachers, the pastors, the evangelists, um, whomever they are, right? Um, they rotate too. Wait, even the congregation rotates. I mean, that's okay. So if they're insurable, and some are and some aren't, in the congregation, if you're insurable, some are, some aren't. Listen, everything that you accumulate and don't give away or spend is going to be left to someone else anyway. You know, and this charitable giving is nothing new, but we're just bringing a new element to it when, when we consider the idea of high cash value dividend-paying life insurance. You're a tax-free entity. The mech doesn't matter. A mech is a mech is a mech. But wait, you're a tax-free entity.
1: Hmm.
0: Mm. Wait, you're buying buses? Hmm. You're supplying income? Hmm. Right, to the to the preacher, to the pastor. And you're supplying retirement income to the preacher, to the pastor.
1: Helping people out with
0: rent, you name it. Oh, the benevolence fund.
1: Hmm.
0: hmm. Maybe you run a little private school, and maybe you know your your students and their families have a hard time when the government cracks down on something like the, you know, the new variants and corona and all that. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist. You you damn right it exists because it was created. My opinion, it exists. All right. Well, just just clamp down the uh, the free economy among men or people. Right. Don't let them go to the to the grocery store, don't let them go to work, require something that's a violation of their personal property, right, to go to work. I'm just saying that we all sometimes need help. All of these churches, all of these schools have a benevolence fund, right, because the congregation gives. Well, where is it? This isn't somebody's brick and mortar (laughs) bank. Do they pay you a dividend? No, they don't. Why? Because you don't own the bank. All right. Uh, So your money has to go somewhere. You, the church, uh, the private school, any, every, everybody, every business, every family, especially these tax free entities, the money must reside somewhere. All right. And so you're buying buses, you're funding missions, you've got the benevolence fund, you're funding income and retirement income. Sounds like expanding. Sounds
1: like churches have a need for capital.
0: Right. Oh, but wait, let's go. Let's go to the uh, to uh, a variant of Wall Street to the bond seller. We'll create a bunch of church bonds for all you people. The congregation can buy these church bonds. And I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying historically, there is a lot of this goes on. These church bonds pay four, five and six percent. You know, you give us the money. We'll pay you an interest and then the coupon at maturity. And then we'll lend you the money to build the church. Isn't that banking? The movement of money? Yeah, yeah. So we're all doing it. Um, anyway, so it, Nelson talked about it all the time. You take a average, uh, you know, town, this this little old town that we live in and we're speaking from today is about 4,500. You know, somebody dies dang there every week mm. out of 4,500 people. Uh, just think if 4,500 people had life insurance, and they don't have to be great big million dollar policies. No. They don't have to be $10,000 premium. But if every insurable member of the congregation and the board and the staff had a little bit of a life insurance policy and you're paying premium anyway because you're tithing or you're gifting money, and then, oh, my gosh, one or two generations from there, then you're broke free from the bondage of third-party lending. Oh, I don't know. And What about the tax status? Who cares? Mm. You know? Can you still preach the truth? I'm just asking questions and I don't want to go too far off but
1: there's so much there's an opportunity uh,
0: for you whomever
1: you are that's going to happen it is going to happen someone who is a member of the church can start it someone who has connections to the people in the church can start it I don't know just give a few life insurance policies to the
0: church and graduate and somebody somewhere along the way I don't know how many Nelson gave to churches uh, quite a few they're like, wow, this idea. Somebody, people should be giving us more life insurance policies. And then it's like, wait a minute. Look at all that cash value in the death benefit. I know I only got the death benefit because the guy graduated. But if they ever, you give them a policy, right? They get an annual statement because it becomes theirs now. And mm-hmm. you can get a tax deduction for that donation. Oh, Wait a minute. Can't they look on there and read the line that says cash value? They can read. can they look on there and say, oh, loan available. Oh, my gosh. Oh my
1: gosh! So you just got to find people who are willing to reconsider their preconceived ideas about life insurance.
0: Yeah, you, you know it's like you, you know you either have ears to hear, or you don't, and that's okay.
1: Mm. I like I love how you say, "Will you be healed?" That's what Jesus said. I know. But you brought it to my attention.
0: Yeah. Will you be healed? Yes, thank you. Please, I'm satisfied. Are you satisfied? Yep. Yeah living large, being all charismatic.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. I had fun. That was good. That was good. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening. We enjoyed it and hope you do as well.
1: Bye, uh, yeah. y'all. Thank you for
0: joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.